faithful worshiper, and it is so good for us all to be together this morning. We are in a teaching series right now that I have called Why Jesus. It's a journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and I, and I called it Why Jesus because I want to help equip you to be able to articulate, like, why is it you are following Jesus today? If, if your children were to ask you, or a neighbor, or a co-worker were to ask, why are you following Jesus today, that you have, you have some kind of response in your life. So this is what we are talking about right now for a few weeks. This morning, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the very end of Matthew chapter 9, And we're going to be in parts of Matthew chapter 10 today as well. My friends, David Jordan and Julie Sano are going to be sharing a word with you. These are two of my closest friends. David and I for years met every single Thursday morning where we would pray together and share life and talk about leadership. David Jordan is the president and CEO of Agape Child and Family Services. And Julie, for over a decade now, has been the COO at Agape. This is a dynamic duo and a lot of different facets of life, and I am so excited to have them with us today. Uh, When I think about the very end of chapter 9 of Matthew, where Jesus talks about that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, David and Julie come to mind. They are two people who embody and live this out every day of their lives. They see Memphis as a harvest that is plentiful, And though the workers are few, they are so energized to to live out the message of Jesus right here in our city. I love David and Julie for a lot of different reasons, and a a few of them are this. They believe in the local church. They believe in the 901. They believe in everything the word agape means. And they believe that Jesus is the best news for the world. So Sycamore View, will you join me today in welcoming David and Julie to the stage? Morning, family. It is, it is good for me to be here as a guest and visitor. You know Julie Sano, who is a member here at Sycamore View, and uh, who is a, a dear friend. Julie and I have worked together for over 10 years, yes. and I uh, love doing this with you, Julie. My blue-eyed brother. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'm thankful for Sycamore View. This is my 27th year as the CEO at Agape. And Sycamore View has been involved in the ministry of Agape for all of our 51 years as an organization and ministry. And this church is important. It really is important. Willie, it's great seeing you, having your time at Agape, just seeing all of, all of you here and what it means. So thank you. Josh is a dear friend. Man, I'm glad he and Casey and their boys are able to enjoy fall break and that he'd invite Julie and I to, to come and speak. and and be here with you. Josh has been a board member for over 10 years. Uh, Randy Lillard, uh, who you all know, uh, been a board member for 25 years for Agape in our 51-year history. Jim Winget, former board member of 10-plus years, now board emeritus. Uh, Just could go on and on in terms of the connectivity and the involvement and the engagement in the name of Jesus. So we are just glad to be here and thankful. So for you here, for those watching, this is important time. So, Julie, I look forward to, to us doing this again together. Yes, yes. Matthew, in the question of why Jesus. I know that's your theme. I know that's what you're going through. Going through the book of Matthew. Jesus is the new Moses, as Matthew and others in the New Testament would look to and allude to. The passage we'll be in in 
Matthew 9, the latter part of the chapter, Josh talked about it, is the second of five important and critical teachings of Jesus. And we want to go there. And Jesus is going to read three different passages. This one is central to our conversation and our teaching today. It's Matthew 9, 35 through 37. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's such a powerful verse, and it gives just this sense of who, not only why Jesus, but who Jesus and his mission and what he did and continues to do. To proclaim the kingdom, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, the reign of God, the basileia, some would say preaching, to teach, to go to synagogues and teach and bring people along, hear the word, do the word. Yes, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. How do I walk that out? What does that look like? And then to bring healing, healing at the deepest levels. I mean, Julie is in pain right now. Healing, I know you are. Healing at the deepest levels. Preaching, teaching, and healing. That is core. It's paramount to what Jesus did. And it's so important. We look at Matthew 4, right before he speaks into the Sermon on the Mount. And Julie, you can read those words. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Julie, I used to think that preaching was its own event. Mm-hmm. Teaching was it, we went to a Bible class. And then healing. Healing was over here. Mm-hmm. And they all have their own distinctiveness. But what I have come to learn and know, and through life, through walking, is that they are so intertwined together that you really can't have one without the other, that it's just embedded. It's like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Mm. They're separate and one together. Mm -hmm. And Julie's going to read a next passage that really highlights that. It begins in Matthew 9, where we begin, end of the chapter. We're going to go at the top, verses 1 through 8. Listen to what Jesus says as he intertwines and really challenges the people. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. 
At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is it easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to a man. This is an amazing passage to me. You've got the, the paralyzed guy. Jesus sees him. And Julie, I think what people expected in that moment was, well, here's a paralyzed guy, so let's go heal him. Jesus is going to heal him right there, right now. And Jesus, he said, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say you're, you're healed. Your sins are forgiven. And I think Jesus was saying, I got something to preach, to proclaim, to teach you. So you understand and come to know healing at its deepest, true healing. And so his sins are forgiven, not because he had done something, therefore he became paralyzed. I think Jesus wanted to say, there's a connection to what you don't see. I forgive your sins to what then you do see. He hears and knows the heart, especially those teachers. He knows where they're at. He said, How, what's harder to do? To say, get up and walk, I heal you? Or to say, your sins are forgiven, that the word has come and resides in you? I believe Jesus says, they're one and the same together. You see the healing. You see the wholeness, the depth of what that means. I can't imagine being paralyzed, being in pain so deeply. I heal you. Forgive your sins. I heal you. The kingdom of God has come now. He had compassion, and he wanted the crowd to hear that. So you go back to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, I came to preach, to teach, to heal. And then he looked at the people. He had this compassion. He saw that their people were hurting, that they were disconnected. They were marginalized. They didn't have a voice. He even said, you're like sheep without a shepherd. In that day, if you're a sheep without a shepherd, he's saying, you're dead. You are as good as dead. If you're a sheep without a shepherd, no one's caring for you, keeping the wolves and everything else away from you. He said to all of us, I can only imagine, he looked out and saw the crowd again and said, the harvest it is full. It needs, it needs those who would preach and teach and heal. Come in my name. There's not enough workers. There's not enough out there. So I want us to sit, Julie, and have a conversation. As you hear this, I love your wisdom and your insight. And we've had conversations over the years about lots of things. What do you hear? What do you sense? What do you want to speak into? So um, we talked about 
what we would share collectively. And I had written down what I, what I thought that I would share. But then I, you'll oftentimes hear me talk about being spirit-led, and so this morning it was spirit-led. Good, come on. Um, preaching is one of those words that has always given me some eh. Uh, you know, being a woman in the church, growing up in the Church of Christ, I've always kind of shied away from the preaching. The teaching, okay. Um, and so I think the study in these scriptures has given me another understanding about preaching and um, proclaiming the gospel, yes, if you would. You. The pattern that Jesus gives us to proclaim and to teach, and as a result of that, there comes healing. I have to honestly say for me, uh, there's been times in my life where I've had some David Saul moments, mm. and I have had some Joseph and Potiphar moments. I've had some, some Mordecai and Haman moments, mm. um, and um, some Joseph and his brothers moments. Um, and so I would have to say that as a sower, there have been times when there were seeds that I didn't want to sow. You guys understand me? Um, when you are being persecuted, um, you look at people differently. You look at some people as being undeserving. And so I think what this scripture um, has, has taught me is that in the midst of my judgment of others, I have had nuggets from preachers about what my purpose is. Mm. And I have had teachings about what my purpose is. And through that, I myself have been healed. Mm. And I understand that I, that you, that we all have a responsibility to be good sowers. Mm. Uh, we have a responsibility to, to plant and water and let God give an increase. And so, um, that is, that is what I want to share. That is what I feel spirit-led to share. You know, Josh said all kinds of good things about us at the start of this lesson, and he used words like always. But, you know, that, <laughs> um, for me, it's not an always. Uh, you know, I'm human just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I would admit that it has been a struggle for me at times to be a, 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 a Joseph mm. uh, and being wrongly accused or uh, being persecuted. But I understand that even in the midst of that persecution, because God loved me, he loved me enough for me to gain those nuggets that have helped me along the way to be a better person for his glory. Mm. And I've seen at least 10 years of that as we walk, we walk together. But you know every now and then now. We, well, and, and you know me. <laughs> and so I'm mean, that not headed Alabama boy. So uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. In our better moments mm -hmm. where we proclaim to each other, teach each other, mm -hmm. give healing to each other, even in hard conversations, yes. especially in. So I've heard you talk, Julie. You grew up in Florida. You talked about being a little girl in Florida. And, you, and I've heard you say this question, where was the church when, dot, dot, dot. When, where was the church when? You want to go a little deeper in what that means. 
what that meant for you. Okay. Um, I grew, I was born in the fifties and grew up in the sixties, um, in a segregated South. And I don't say that by any means as a, 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 a banner. I say it because it's a witness. Um, I am a witness of, in spite of um, the environment that I grew up in, mm -hmm. God um, had angels. God had people um, that were there when some, somebody was saying you couldn't because of the color of your skin or because you're a female or all those kinds of things. God had people in my pathway to say you can and I'm going to walk alongside you to do it. And so, um, yes, for me growing up as a little girl, I questioned um, when churches uh, of people that didn't look like me mm -hmm. um, would not baptize people that looked like me mm -hmm. um, in their bap baptism pools. And at times, because my dad was an elder um, in our church, they would call him to unlock the building so that they could baptize people. That didn't make sense to me. Um, I heard the teach, I heard the preaching, and I heard and saw for, from some the teaching, mm -hmm. but the healing part of it mm -hmm. for them, mm -hmm. as well as that that new convert, it didn't connect to me as a little girl. Um, you understand what I'm saying, Micah? It didn't connect. And so for me, I was looking for us to be, I guess, although I didn't know those words then, mm -hmm. all three, mm. the witness of all three yeah. um, to the world. And so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, trying to do two out of the three or one out of the three yeah. is just incomplete. Mm -hmm. It just is, and it leaves you incomplete. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So let me ask you. Bama boy, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your growing up in Alabama and um, your experiences and, and how, do, how does the, the scriptures that we've read and uh, what we've talked about thus far, how does that relate with you? You know, there are all kinds of stories for me growing up. One that's most fresh for me and, and wanting to be transparent and real in this conversation like you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad died, as you know, about a month and a half ago. And um, dad was a good man. He was an elder in two different churches, like your dad, being an elder. There were some things I needed, I wanted. Didn't even know how to say it as a kid. Got mad about it as a teenager and even older. Well, the questions in my heart had been, Am I good enough? Am I okay? Will you love me as I am, as I really am? Not how I show up and dress up and get on stage, but who I am. And so that led to a lot of feelings, some anger, what I wanted. I didn't even know how to articulate it well when I was younger. I'd hear the proclamation, honor your father and your mother. And everybody has different stories around this. I know everybody is in different places with this kind of thinking. Dad was a good man, but there was things I needed and I wanted. And I had somebody's who would walk with me and teach me and disciple me 
How do you walk this out? My wife, others. And I came to a place just some number of years ago with a revelation that God gave me through others, through Scripture, that Dad did the very best he could have done. Didn't make everything right, right. but he did the very best he could do. So we're in Florida with some other couples, end of August, and I get a call from my sister. And Dad's in hospice. He's been, he's had Alzheimer's for four or five years. And said, the hospice says we're in the latter hours. And so God saw fit that we were just one hour away from where Dad, they lived in South Alabama. That's where Mom lives. So made it over there in the hospital, hospice kind of setting. Dad didn't recognize anybody, wasn't talking. Breathing was pretty labored. We were there all day Friday, went through the night. There's Saturday. And on Saturday night, 9 o'clock, we're all in the room. I can still see it. And his breathing is slowing down. And the nurse is in there, and she said, He's gone. I'd never been in a room where anybody had died. And mom wanted to sit, and we all sat and we prayed. And then she came to a point, she said, I'm, I'm ready to go. So everybody started exiting out of the room. And I laid back. Everybody was out, and I went up to dad's bed. It just passed. And I said, Julie, and I mean, and I am not a crier. You don't see me cry much. I just welled up in boo-hoo tears. And I said, I didn't plan this. I hope, I hope you were proud of me. Part of it was a question. Part of it was answering, I know you were. Mm -hmm. So to have healing that still has edges that hurt. To hear God's word. To have somebody walk with me and say, we're going to walk through this through God. And then to have healing given that still hurts at times. That's what this means to me. And I'm thankful. And I honor my dad with these words at this moment. You know, this was a spirit-led conversation because um, you had made, made plans to talk about your dad and I had made plans to talk about my hurts in life yeah. uh, from reading this yeah. lesson. And that was, that was not a, a plan that we had. So it just kind of tells you what, how God works in this. Um, I'm going off script again. Come on. We've done uh, this many a time. Do it. <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope what you hear um, in us is that Jesus gave us all a pattern that pattern for preaching and teaching, planning and sowing, um, all for God's glory. That is how the kingdom grows. And that's how we each grow to become our, our better selves. And so I hope that in this conversation, um, that, is, that is what you're hearing from us. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think I, I think I got another question for you, don't I? <laughs> why, why don't we 
why don't we go to there are three questions that are that Josh raises three areas do you want to speak to sure. that? sure Jan if you could if you could put put the uh, questions up on the screen so for those of you that have been attending this series um, at the end of each of Josh's lessons he's asked us three questions specific to what he's talked about and so those questions are for truth what does this say about Jesus and for grace how does this connect me to God and for reach what is it what is the challenge and so for this lesson we'd like to to leave you with these three questions specific to to those for truth um, Jesus patterned a model of preaching teaching and healing and throughout this week how do you see opportunities to be able to to demonstrate that to others even those that maybe a seed that you really don't don't want to sow mm. how do you see it and then for grace our pathways to god include someone sharing the good news walking alongside me in relationship in the last session i shared about sister lula may harrison if you know me long enough to talk about my story you'll hear me talk about sister lula may harrison and her little white falcon that she would come on Tuesday nights um, in the neighborhood to pick up kids for Bible class. Uh, I learned, my brothers and sisters learned, my parents learned about the church as a result of a woman, Sister Lula Mae Harrison, and that white falcon. So I would say to you um, for this week, um, how are opportunities for you to see um, and, and be grace? to others when it comes to uh, the good news and walking alongside people in relationships. And then the third and final, reach. How am I living out the model to those with whom I come in contact with? Um, again, it's easy to do that with people that are receptive. Um, I find that it is it's very difficult to do that with someone who might be biting at your heels while you're trying to love on them. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? So, so how do we show or reach even those that might be difficult would be the, the challenge that um, we'd ask of you and ourselves um, throughout this next week. Mm. Julie, I think this is a great time for communion. Um, the word you just said, the experience that you had with Sister Lula Mae Harris. I've heard you talk about her a number of times. I've heard you say at a table, there's room at the table for all. And we have this table in this room, the table for those watching online. Jesus is the head and there's room for everybody. We're one with all of our differences, all of our... He makes us one. And so as we commune with God through His Son, the Spirit in us, as we commune with each other, 
What's the word that you're hearing from Jesus? He's proclaiming in your ear. What is the teaching that's difficult, that's hard? It may be soothing. It may be good in the moment. What is the healing that you are seeking for yourself? Healing that you may need to give to someone else from you to them. So, Father, I pray over all of us as we sit at this table, as we commune and we eat upon your Son, Jesus, the Word, the living Word, as you disciple and teach us and grow us and we walk together, and as you provide healing and also hear the words, and my grace is sufficient for you, You provide healing, and I pray that we provide healing to others that are hurting. Maybe we have hurt. Father, be with us as we take in the bread, the juice, as we abide with you and you with us and we with each other. In the name of Jesus, amen.